Hello, good afternoon or morning, depending on where you are. And welcome to our September Empower panel. And in all honesty, I just had to look down at the date on my computer because I couldn't remember if it was August or September. <laughs> so that's where I'm at right now. So this is a great topic for me today. Um, today we're gonna be talking, um, this is gonna be part two answering our body's call, talking about chronic disease and chronic pain in dispatch in 911. Um, if this is the first time that you've joined us for an Empower panel, welcome. This is a series that we do once a month. And the whole point in doing these panels is to get a group of women together to talk about things that aren't talked about enough in 911. I 100% believe that the way we change things all starts with a conversation and it starts with open minds and it starts with diversity of experience and diversity of opinions. So we come together to talk about those topics and, and get that started. I want to give a huge shot, shout out to our partner, Datamark, for making these Empower panels possible. We really appreciate your partnership and your support and your support of 9 Wonder Women so that we can do things like this and um, have this avenue to talk about creating change and betterment for 911. So welcome everybody who's in the audience. If you've not been on Crowdcast before, it's really, really fun to kind of interact live with our speakers. The lag time isn't very much, it isn't like it is on Facebook. So if you have anything to share, if you have questions, you can put them in the chat. Um, you can also, there's an ask a, question, ask a question feature at the bottom of your screen. You can put questions in there as well. I am going to kind of be on the side here monitoring the chat and I'll try to make sure that we answer whatever questions you have. I want to make this interactive. It's a discussion as opposed to a presentation. Uh, so we are going to get started without further ado. So we'll go through, we'll introduce ourselves, and then I'm going to hand things over to Sarah Pagel, who is going to be our moderator today. So my name is Sarah Weston. I am the founder and executive director of 9-1 Wonder Women, and I am proud to lead this initiative, and I'm so thankful to have all of you with me today. So thanks for joining us. I'll throw it over to Sarah. Hello, and welcome back. I am so excited to be with you guys um, to celebrate um, just the voices that we have in this community and um, to talk about things that we need to be talking about. Um, so I'm Sarah Pagel. I am the, I guess you could say founder and CEO, but I don't really like that title because it's just me, myself, and I <laughs> um, of Inline Consulting. So uh. seen me. <laughs> um, I just like to think of myself as a functional health practitioner who's a retired dispatcher. That's kind of who I am and uh, what I like to do. So um, I get a lot of questions about what that means and I can definitely share what that means at, a, at another time. But I am a retired dispatcher um, based out of Cincinnati, Ohio. And I'm really excited to share with you guys um, a little bit of knowledge and then kick the conversation off. So I'm gonna throw it, introduce the rest of the panel. Dominique, why don't you get us started? Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, my name is Dominique Curry. I am chief of staff here at Orleans Parish Communication District, uh, which is New Orleans 911 and 311. Um, I am a veteran in this industry going on 18 years in January. Um, I got my humble beginnings at a, a communication center in Central Virginia. Um, I am friends with Sarah and uh, have done some work with her and I'm just honored to be able to um, participate and uh, share some tips and, and, and tricks that hopefully will help us all better navigate our health and our bodies um, as we give of ourselves um, in this line of service. So welcome everybody. Awesome, thank you so much. And let's go down to Meredith because you're right there. Hi, I'm Meredith Shireman, or sometimes people call me Mary. Um, I retired in April after 30 years as a communications, well, 20 years as a shift supervisor and an additional 10 as a line dispatcher with Willamette Valley Communication Center in Salem, Oregon. 
um, would be considered a mid-size center, I believe. We were the second largest call volume in the state, kind of bounced back and forth underneath Portland, who was, of course, a lot bigger. Um, and I'm just learning how to get through not being part of everything. It's been a little bit interesting, um, but I'm enjoying retirement and still trying to figure out what comes next. So it was a, a long career and I enjoyed it and I'm very thankful for it. Awesome. All right, Ms. Jana. Uh, we uh, we have to, I, I feel as though we have to call out that it is your birthday today and to celebrate you and that if we could give you a pink fuzzy tiara, we would. I know, right? Uh, I wish uh, that there was a way like to like, you know how in Snapchat and some of the other right. Yeah, you can do like the filters and everything. Um, <laughs> like, now My hair's pretty fluffy so I learned how to use hairspray at 39 years old, apparently. Girl! Um, you. <laughs> so my name is Jonna Gonzalez-Sells. I'm based out of Columbus, Ohio here. Uh, I worked for the Ohio State University uh, Public Safety Communications Department for 15 years. Started off security dispatch, then 911 dispatch, then trainer, then supervisor, and then lead supervisor. So it's been 18 years now because I took a new role here at Franklin County Homeland Security and Emergency Management. Um, so it is a little bit different. Um, the Homeland Security aspect is certainly a new world for me, um, <clears throat> but it's been great because it's actually allowed me to see what other opportunities that we have to involve dispatchers in that terrorism nexus and uh, the chance to actually develop us and give us even more, um, more chances to get out there and actually help the first responders um, and, and show that we are truly first responders because you know everything starts with us. So um, I am currently the AFCO Ohio president as well. So that's that's my that's my tonight is actually a board meeting. So I'll celebrate the birthday a little bit later, but um, yeah. So it's been a long Ohio career and you were saying somebody said something about we need to have an Ohio party. Actually on Wednesday, we are having an all Ohio um, networking social here in Columbus at level one arcade. Wow. Um, so we'd be happy to have anybody join us if you are in the Ohio, central Ohio region. Girl, I would so be That's there, awesome. but I'm working the the US, uh, I think it's a, I don't know if it's a um, FC Cincinnati or if it's an actual US men's soccer game. I think it's a US men's soccer yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, because that's only up the, the seer level. So yeah, probably. yes, yeah. <laughs> I know yep, about yep. these things so, now. <laughs> I'm working out. Otherwise, my little booty would be up there in Columbus hanging out with you ladies. Well, for we're gonna sure. do more, so no worries. Okay, good. We'll have to get something coordinated in like the Dayton Cincinnati region because that's a there's a lot of us in this area. Yeah. So and those things are so good for again mental health and kind of relaxing, <laughs> understanding that you. <laughs> You're not crazy, you know, with yeah. all the stuff you have going on because you find like-minded people and mm -hmm. makes you feel a little more comfortable. So we want to make sure we keep those things going as well. Yep. And so Joyce, important. I have a, I have a HRV and I can fit five people in there and we can party all the way up. <laughs> like I just can see us singing all these empowered songs in our car with the windows rolled down. Beyonce involved. Who runs the world? Girls. Girls. <laughs> I love it so much. Thanks so much for being here, ladies. Um, I'm really, really excited. Yes, Joyce, I will be in Indy. I'm super excited to be there. I will be at Sarah's presentation, and I'm so excited to be there this this next conference. So, all right, Miss Sarah, you had something else you wanted to share before we get started? Yes, yes, and and thank you, and Jonah, thank you for hosting events. I think hosting events is is much overlooked and a very important part of what we do. Anytime so. I can throw a party, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I just want to take a minute and and set the intention set an intent an intention here for us today. Um, each of these women are here on this panel, um, partly because they uh, we do suffer from some sort of um, physical challenge um, or something in, in that's chronic that makes our lives, our jobs uh, just a little more difficult. And I want everyone to kind of take a moment and realize that we all are struggling with something, whether it be a, a physical disease, chronic ailment, um, mental, or just a really hard time. And 
as you're out there in the world trying to do the best you can, because I know we all are, keep that in mind. Keep that in mind with your interactions with other people, with um, daily, at work, wherever it may be, um, reading something, the judgments that we have kind of constantly throwing, um, flowing through us. Just keep in mind that it's not everyone's best day. It's not, it's probably very few people's best day. Jonna, even on her birthday, has some struggles today. So, um, you know, I can't say enough that as we listen to these stories and, and try to figure out how to make us better, um, we're going to talk about things we can do to help ourselves, boundaries we can set today. Keep in mind that while you're helping yourself, um, also hold space for others and, and give yourself the grace to try to heal and give others that as well. With that, Sarah's going to educate us um, a little bit, and then we'll we'll dive into our panel discussion. Thank you. Thank, yeah, and Sarah, you're so right. And um, it, it's hard for people to have grace for others when they struggle with having grace for themselves. So if there's one encouragement I can we can start this whole thing off with is we are all doing the best we can with where we are at, with what we have. And so give yourself grace first. Um, so that you can grow your capacity to give that grace to other people. Um, cool. All right, so let's go ahead and get started. So we, in our conversations and getting prepped for this panel, um, you know, last session we spent the whole time really kind of unpacking what um, like chronic illness in 911 can look like, right? And so we obviously didn't cover the whole spectrum. We, but we did. We're bringing some voice to um, the impact of trauma and stress in our body and what it actually looks like in real life and how it plays out in the radio room. And so each one of these beautiful ladies shared um, their story, a little bit of their story. And so today we want to move the conversation forward. And what I like to do to, to get us kicked off is share with you guys um, just a little bit of understanding of what happens biologically when we're under stress. So I'm going to share my screen. And um, I do um offer training this is the kind of training that i do um and i'm gonna start kind of putting myself out there a little more which is a little scary but also what i love to do so um very kind of excited to do that but so what i wanted to share today um and i i literally do a four-hour presentation that's really surrounding this concept um but this is what's known as the hpa access don't worry about that language think of it more of like um, what happens when your body's under stress. So I like to use the um, uh, kind of metaphor or example of like, you see that little zebra in the corner? So imagine, right, you have a zebra, he's munching on grass, hanging out with his friends, getting buddy-buddy with the girl next door, having a great old, grand old time, right? He's low stress, all of his needs are met, he is what is known, he's adapted, he is good, he is like calm, peaceful, that rest and digestate, that sympathetic nervous system is activated, that calm, happy state, right? So imagine he's in this quiet, happy, go, happy-go-lucky state, all of his needs are met, and a lion comes out, right? Lion comes out in the Serengeti, he's like, mm, I need some food, I'm hungry, and the zebra's like, oh shit, I gots to go, right? So the zebra runs away, right? Because he's like, oh, fight or flight kicks in, right? And so um, what happens in the body is blood gets shifted to the heart and the lungs because you have to run and you have to breathe. The things that are necessary for survival, right? You have to breathe and your heart has to pump. If you're not breathing and your heart isn't pumping, you're dead, right? So the body through this process um, shifts energy to do those things. So the lion runs away, or I'm sorry, the zebra runs away. The lion gets the gazelle. So the lion gets o is over there on the other side of the, the field, munching, chowing down. His needs are met. He's happy. The zebra comes back and goes, I live to, I live to see another day. So he goes back, starts munching on grass, hanging out with his friends, getting buddy, buddy with the girl next door. And he goes back into this adaptive or homeostatic space so when that lion came out he went up into that acute distress right up into the top of that curve 
in that acute stress state, um, his body could handle that, right? Our bodies can handle acute stress because they're designed to go back into this adaptive or homeostasis um, state of being. And so um, that's kind of, that's hopefully I'm doing a, a decent job of kind of sharing what should happen, right? So just like the zebra, we are supposed to be in a rested state where our needs are met, low stress, right? And then stress happens, we go into this acute distress, right? So that could be, your body also doesn't care. It could be a lion chasing you, someone cutting you off, your kids yelling at you, your boss yelling at you, like the, the cop on the radio saying, I got one at gunpoint, like that's an acute stressed state and your body doesn't care about the difference. Your brain doesn't care about the difference. And so your body is designed to be in that state to survive, right? And then go back down because that stress is designed to resolve. The problem is when that stress does not resolve and I can't see any of your beautiful faces. All I can see is my screen, which is kind of hard for a trainer because I can't read the room right now. <laughs> so hopefully you guys are, are tracking with me. Um, but when our body stays in this distressed or acute stress state, um, it becomes chronic. And when it becomes chronic, when we don't go back into that rest and digest state of being, that homeostasis where we are able to repair and heal, we end up with things like chronic disease, chronic dysfunction, and eventually what will end up happening is we will collapse into what's known as kind of this exhaustive phase. And so if you ever hear about burnout, adrenal exhaustion, chronic fatigue, these are all what the collapse or exhaustive phase looks like. Um, and so there's different things that can, there's different um, ways this looks in real life. But the whole point and the what I'm hopefully you guys are able to pull from this is that our body is not designed to stay in that stressed state. It is designed to handle an acute stress and then go back into homeostasis and repair from whatever damage that stressed state created. All right, so there's a whole lot more involved in all of that, right? So that was, there's obviously a lot of layers to that, but really the, the point of it is that we, when we don't come back into that homeostatic space, we end up in this chronically stressed state and it depletes our body. And because we're not designed to stay that way. And so eventually what ends up is we start having symptoms and we start feeling the stress more and more because this is why the young bucks that come into the, the radio room, they can party on the weekends or party at night, come in the next morning and be quote unquote fine. Right. And you're like, I can't do that. How come you can do that? I like have one drink and I'm like laid in bed the next day. Like, how does that, how is it that you can do that? And I can't, it's because they're, stressing their body out it's a stressor no matter what but their bodies they have enough what's called adaptive reserve still and so when um you can handle stress until you can't and that is based on your genetics and so that tank as i like to call it is called an adaptive reserve um and that is that defines how much stress you can actually handle before your body like starts going down that bell curve and you hit that exhaustive phase where it's like your body becomes very demanding and it says you will pay attention to me or you will not function. And that's a really, really hard place to be. And it's a really hard place to recover from. It is possible. I'm living proof that you can recover from the exhaustive phase, uh, but it does take a lot of work. And so um, that's a hopefully that kind of makes sense. Um, I don't know what that what Sarah, what you said with that old that old line. Oh, she's making, she's referencing me accidentally setting off the wrong tornado sirens the other day. Oh. So that was my peak of, you know, stress. And stress. like I was having heart palpitations the rest of the day. So I've had, I've had policies written after me for things I've done. 
This was the first time I've ever had to issue a press release for something I messed up. So that bad boy is framed now, like right there as a nice be humble reminder. So, yes. Yeah. So that's talk about stress, man. Talk about an acute stress moment, right? We all have them. And I think in dispatch, what ends up happening is we, we live in a, in a, a higher state of like the, a, a hum of stress given the work that we do. Um, and then then the general population and so that's both good and bad um it can tank you it depletes you if you are not doing things to intervene and restore yourself um but then it also the pro the flip side of that is it creates this capacity in us to handle things that the general population just can't handle mm -hmm. and that that's kind of that's the gift that's resilience that's post-traumatic growth at its finest um and so um, I guess I want to open that up to you guys to see if you have questions. Did, did my example make sense and kind of, you know, yeah, totally. I really, I liked the example of um, depleting our reserves. I think yeah. we can all kind of see that. Um, so, so my question to you all is, are, what do you, what do you do when you're depleted and and how how do you not only stop the depletion which is one thing but how do you build your reserve mm -hmm. back mm -hmm. up yeah it's so i put it in the chat too my husband refers to it as social capacity mm -hmm. so he is not a social person mm -hmm. and so i'm usually the one that's like yeah let's do this let's do this we can handle that and um he's like you know so he's actually really good and very much advocates for himself and for me really when he's like we are at the end of your social capacity. I can tell that you're done. You need to start telling people no. And I've started using that phrase now here at work where it's like, look, my social capacity is gone. Like, mm -hmm. I just need to focus on my work and keep going. I'm sorry, I can't. Because part of my job is to be a liaison to all the other events and agencies within the county. And while it is part of my work, it's also, I can show up for an hour for this eight hour training and I can take off. So I need to recognize that that's okay too. So, cause yeah, you get to that point where you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm at my capacity and I feel it coming. And um, I'm totally going to reference a children's movie now. And I'm really sorry if you haven't seen it, but Encanto. So I'm the oldest of, of seven and I am the older sister. I have younger brothers. I am second. My mom, my mom passed when I was young. Mm -hmm. So that song surface pressure that mm -hmm. speaks to me completely I, like you, my 18 year old self could have written that song like perfectly and it still speaks to me so when that song starts cycling in my head i know i'm at the top of that arch where i'm like oh we're we're coming up the edge of that hill and it's looking really bad so um to be honest i started back with a therapist this week um because I'm like, i can't do it anymore you know it was mm -hmm. everything was starting to feel like i'm getting towards the end here it's time to step back so yeah, I'm actually still trying to learn to delegate. Again, 39 years old today and I still haven't learned to delegate. So it's a work in progress. I think even now just starting to recognize it's time to say no. Mm -hmm. It's time to say, I can't do this. I need to recognize that I am burnt out socially and burnt out mentally. Um, I'm allowed to take those five weeks that are sitting in that bank at some point um, and, and not punishing yourself for being late to game and recognizing that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just what an incredible insight you have in that. And I got to give you an A plus and a high five for um, being vulnerable and not just going to counseling, but then sharing with us that you're in counseling. Yeah. I've got counseling this week. Like I'm in maintenance counseling. I like, like I love my counselor. She's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Valerie, I love that. Like, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it is vital to, um, no matter where you are in the process, <laughs> but to give yourself grace and then to own it and to take the, the do the next right thing. And I loved what you said about um, the song with Encanto. So I have a phrasing where I'm like, just do the next right thing. That's that's my phrasing. And I've been doing that for the last couple of years and it's actually from Frozen 2. So <laughs> I'd like sometimes to say that that was also mine, but it's not. You but sometimes it's those little things that speak to you at the most basic level mm -hmm. and i love that we're teaching that to younger girls to younger children now to say like it's okay to not be okay 
like mm-hmm. the messages that go out to even my son in their school are just absolutely, absolutely. incredible. The problem is there was this huge gap <laughs> between mm-hmm. this year and then when we went to school yes. where it was like, suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> yeah. So now we almost have to retroactively learn how to actually care for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, and especially yes. those of us who have chronic illness, when you get into this point where the stress is already hitting you, even though you're at where you recognize it, right? Where I know mm-hmm. I have a problem, I know I need help. The problem is my body's already like too late, sucker. We're going to mm-hmm. start reacting. Right. Like yeah. start inflaming my my bones, start freezing, my joints start locking, my bladder gets irritated. I'm like, okay, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. How do I in front of that before the symptoms start? Even though logically I know everything's going to be just fine. So I think for me, one of the things that was so critically important to the turning point of managing not hitting that depletion of reserves is I allowed that to happen to me one time. I shared that in the last panel. I ended up hospitalized and mm-hmm. then I worked for six weeks trying to recover. Mm-hmm. And in that time home, I had to learn. I have a very valid why mm-hmm. for why I have to establish the clear boundary mm-hmm. and not violate the boundary for myself. Mm-hmm. When you are reconciled with your why, not because of the illness, but the why is it's important to me, my integrity um, demands that if I'm involved in something that I'm involved to a level of excellence. If I cannot meet that level of excellence, then I should not be involved. So that means I can put five things on my plate, not 10 things on my plate, because the minute Mm -hmm. I things on my plate i'm not doing any of it well i'm not any of it in excellence and so if you can reconcile you know what i want to i want to give five things absolute excellence Mm -hmm. and it, it be in line with my integrity and remember that my reason is valid my why is valid regardless of what i think we're we're under the the microscope often or the weight of others' opinions. Mm-hmm. Ten things. You used to always be the 10 things, girl. Why are you, why all of a sudden you're not doing 10 things? Because <laughs> I have boundaries now. <laughs> I, I graciously explain it probably one time. Yes. I, I'm, I, I was the 10 things girl. And I realized that that was not working well for me. And it wasn't, a, it was a grave disservice to everyone around me. So in order to avoid that, I realized that five is my boundary. Five is my capacity to do things in a way that makes me proud of what I'm doing, that you know um, is giving the contribution to the people that I've committed to those five things to be able to do. And I have to let everyone else's opinions fall away from me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. That's where the real grace lies, is Mm -hmm. letting go of the weight of other people's opinions. I really, um, yeah, that's a, there's some, um, I completely agree. And and I I love what what I hear you saying is really kind of a shifting of of a perspective back to like, what are our core values? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that when we can identify what our core values are, then and we align our choices within the underneath those core values then it makes it a whole hell of a lot easier to say no that doesn't that doesn't serve me that doesn't serve you i'm not going to say yes to that or i'm going to say um i'm going to say thank you for your feedback and then that feedback's going to go over here it's not going to come inside because it's not valid or relevant um and so that brings up to mind. So I actually, um, and Sarah, maybe you can put this out to the community, but I do an exercise or maybe we'll do another live where to help identify your core values. Um, so like when I sit in, in my office, which I'm finally back in here, I have this written out. These are my core values and mm-hmm. everything I do aligns and is, I can tie my choices back to my values. And because of that, when I go to sleep at night, I sleep easy when I don't have parasites waking me up at two o'clock in the morning when it's a full moon. Other than that, I sleep really easy. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, 
But what I, Dominique, what I loved about what you were saying is really shifting that perspective so that you can give grace to yourself. You have more space to give grace to yourself, kind of what we were um, talking to, talking about earlier. Um, I love that. Mary, do you have anything you wanted to add? Well, I was just, um, somebody, I think it was Deborah had asked about how if after COVID, the stress response and recovery mm -hmm. seemed to be greater than before COVID. And I'm not sure if she was just speaking in general terms or if you've actually had COVID and how it, and speaking from having had COVID more than once, unfortunately, mm -hmm. yes, it takes longer. It used to be that I could take a day and, you know, mm -hmm. I, when I'd be too peopled and I'd need, you know, you get one day off a week if you're lucky and that day I would spend by myself calming myself, I guess, for mm -hmm. lack of a better term, getting yeah. back to myself and being ready yes. to go for the next work week. Mm -hmm. And that means, you know, shopping, which interacts with people, all the, all the things that need to be done that you have to do on that day, mm -hmm. you're not recovering because you're getting all the things done when you only have that one day off. And mm -hmm. with COVID, I had already reached a burnout stage before COVID and did not recognize that that's what I was in. I know now that I was. Um, and then having COVID, yes, everything was compounded with yes. COVID. It made it so much worse. I couldn't recover in the same amount of time. I still, I ended up with the long haulers where I have the good days and the bad days. And it's like every so often, it's like I'm sick all over again, even though I'm not sick, but mm -hmm. my body's just like, nope, you're done. You can't do it anymore. And understanding and recognizing and listening to your own body mm -hmm. is huge because we ignore our bodies mm -hmm. trying to do the jobs that we do because mm -hmm. we're I, the whole system is set up for us to ignore our bodies and mm -hmm. to give that extra every day mm -hmm. and people do give that extra every day but when that reserve is completely depleted there is nothing left to give and yes you find that your own integrity you're feeling like I'm not living up to my own personal set of standards, mm -hmm. regardless of everybody else may think I am, but yep. I know I'm not. And mm -hmm. that is a huge burden to carry as well. And those were some of the things um, I'd mentioned last time that there were a lot of things that played into my decision to go ahead and retire. And part of it was recognizing that I could not work at the capacity that I felt I needed to mm -hmm. personally. And I thought, this, is, this isn't okay. This is adding more stress to the situation. And yes, therapy helped. When I first started, therapy was not a thing. You didn't go to therapy mm -hmm. because, oh my goodness, you just couldn't cut it. And having a ther my therapist say, you're reacting in a normal way to things that are beyond what you deal with in your line of work is so beyond yeah. what is normal. Yes. <laughs> that, yeah. that it's okay to react that way. It's okay. Yes to struggle mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. this is beyond the capacity of the, and, and we need to hear that. We are amazing. Mm -hmm. The wonder women, wonder men as well. Everybody that works in this line of work and does this line of work, you are 100% hands down amazing people because we know not everybody can do this. That's right. Mm -hmm. We absolutely know that. So remember that in spite of, yeah, you reach that rock bottom and you have to say, Hey, enough is enough. I have to, do this for myself but what you have given has been so incredible don't ever let that be downplayed and to recognize that and realize yeah there's a lot of things in the world right now that are so different and so changed and it's it's tougher it's tougher for everyone mm -hmm. don't you know, i, I don't would love it. to see us challenge each other now in this conversation to take the steps not to hit rock bottom. I think oh, that's, yes. that's that's the goal for me of this discussion is helping people to pause right now, really do an assessment of where you are, what your body is telling you, and what are some things that you can gradually and easily incorporate into your lifestyle, your practice, your habits that prevent you from getting to rock bottom because um, one, we, we don't want you there. We need you um, to be where you are right now, which is um, able to serve your community and serve your families um, and your friends, your community well, um, but also um, Early intervention helps prevent, <laughs> you know, 
some pretty catastrophic things that can happen down the line. So, um, yeah, that's gonna yeah. be our goal, guys. We don't want you to hit rock bottom. We wanna we wanna catch you right here before you fall. And I am yes. so Absolutely. so thankful that as a community, as a whole, in nine one one, that we are recognizing that this is real and this happens, and we're speaking mm -hmm. to it. Because, mm -hmm. like I said in the beginning, we didn't. I didn't yeah. learn how to deal with this kind of stuff until I became a police officer. Then it was mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, we'll share with you what to do about it. And I'm like, I should have known this ten years ago oh, when I was when I first started dispatching. And now we're actually making those steps, which is huge. But we have to catch up with the people that have been doing it for a long time that didn't get that message in the beginning. The right. new folks coming in get the message now. But it's, you know, and some yeah. of it, there's that gap. set in our ways. We don't want to change. Well, we Meredith, you're on, you're on a, a bit of a, a health journey. And I really want to make sure that um, you share that too, because what Dominic said, what Dominic said about um, taking the little, like, what are you doing so you don't hit rock bottom? And I've been following you, you on Facebook. Can you tell us uh, a little bit about that and how it, how it came to be? Well, a friend of mine who was a, a deputy, she was posting about, um, it's, it's called an eight day jump start, And it's basically you spend eight days where no sugar, no dairy, um, very low carb eating, pretty strict, but realistically you're eating real food. You're not like eating prepackaged food or anything. Um, high protein. And she said, Hey, you know, you do this eight days and you take some supplements with it. Well, for me, the supplements, they had five HTP in them and they had GABA in them, which was mm -hmm. what was missing in my brain. And it was like mm -hmm. a, a flip flipping a switch. I had wow. um, one of my coworkers actually told me, he said, it was like you turned on a light switch and you just completely turned around and went from just angry and sad to back to who you used to be overnight. Mm -hmm. And it really was that dramatic. So mm -hmm. having that balance of the brain chemicals was incredible. And it was just a random thing that I happened to fall across it. And, you know, afterwards, of course, then I'm like, oh, I need to talk to my doctor about this. And she's like, yeah, you're doing exactly what you need to do. I can tell just looking at you, talking to you, the difference. And I, I mean, I think I'd heard, you know, brain chemicals can get out of whack and everything. I know that I was completely depleted of my adrenaline, all of that because of the ups and downs, all the constant, mm -hmm. constant, constant. But somehow it hadn't really ever sank in and I kind of stumbled across it. Mm. And I've been doing it for a little bit over a year now and I have my ups and downs, but I do know that if I stick to the low carb eating and I get my walks in and I drink my water, that is a big one, drinking my water. Mm -hmm. um, I just did another eight day jump start. I lost eight pounds in eight days. And I know a lot of that is going to be the inflammation that's in my system, but mm -hmm. I probably bulked on about 20 pounds after retiring. Mm -hmm. I, that was because I'm not running on stress all the time and forgetting to eat and, yep. you know, all those things. And um, it kind of was like, okay, well, you know, this isn't exactly how I want this to be. I had dropped 60 pounds about 10 years ago and I'm like, I don't want to be back there. And I, at gaining 20 pounds, I was getting there. So, so yeah, finding, Finding that balance for the brain chemicals helped me have a positive outlook that I wasn't able to get to on my own, no matter how hard mm -hmm. I had tried. Mm -hmm. And that helped with the discipline and the consistency to continue to walk and to continue to, to eat better. Um, meal prepping was huge for me mm -hmm. uh, to just go every on my, you know, that last little bit of time before on my last day off or whatever or my only day off or whatever, to plan for that next week, the stress that that relieved me of, I couldn't believe how much stress that took off for me because I wasn't thinking all week, what am I gonna take for lunch tomorrow? Well, I don't have anything to take. I guess I'm not gonna have lunch tomorrow. Mm -hmm. What am I gonna have for dinner when I get home? I just worked 12 hours. I just worked however many hours. Mm -hmm. I'm too tired to make anything. Well, I'd make a big pot of soup. Well, I meal prepped, I'd take salads with protein and different things for my lunch have them all made and then i'd make a big pot of soup and that would be my dinner the salads would be my lunch i'd pack um, hard-boiled eggs for my breakfast mm -hmm. just simple things that were easy to do and i didn't have to think about it and they were all right there and i had to get very <laughs> i realized how often i would let 
things interrupt my time to eat and I just simply mm -hmm. wouldn't eat. Hours would go by and I didn't eat yeah. because somebody needed something. Mm -hmm. um, the phone was ringing. Somebody needed a break on a radio, whatever it would be. And yeah. I would just be like, okay. And I got to the point where I'm like, I need to eat. Do you need me right this minute? Mm -hmm. Most of the time, no, they didn't. It was for a right. question or something that could wait. Mm -hmm. But Boundary. I was so used to just automatically yes. respond. Yes. Boundaries. Boundaries. Yes. And I, I would say, do you, I, I just sat down to eat. Are you okay with waiting? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I would eat instead of just pushing it aside and going 12 hours without eating, which is ridiculous. But right. we do it. Well, and that's the, the sad time. part. Even if we mention those little things, like all it takes sometimes to be like, do you care if I do this? No one cares. No, right. that's the thing. You know what I mean? It's just, it right. makes a big deal out of it. By, by just asking for such simple things. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it's just in our head. Again, we've kind of been trained that way. Like, you can't take time off. You can't take a break. You can't, for me, you can't go to the bathroom. Like, no, yep. I really do have to do these things. So, and that was, you know, probably the first eight years of my career in dispatch was not having time to eat, not mm -hmm. having time to go to the bathroom, not having mm -hmm. time to step aside after those traumatic events to actually mm -hmm. return to that homeostasis. So now I'm pretty sure, yeah, my threshold's probably all over the place as far as capacity mm -hmm. goes. And it's probably taken away from my ability to actually recognize when mm -hmm. I am getting too close to going over that edge. Mm -hmm. Until I'm right there and I'm like crying at a Tide commercial going, there is something wrong with me. Right <laughs> yeah. So yep. usually it's, it's nice now because my 12-year-old is not scared to be like, there is something wrong with you, mom. And I'm like, oh, dang, Chris. Shit, <laughs> <laughs> man. That goes back to what Dominique was saying about like, what do you mean? You're the girl that holds all 10 things. You're not going to hold right. 10 Like, Jonah, you were the person that did things right when people asked. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. So then they, you know, fell into that. Oh, Jonah's the girl. Like, I'll, you know, she'll do it right away. So, but you're a person, you know, you're not yeah. a machine. Yep. That was your boundary. Yep. Like, yep. I actually asked Erica to pick up some flowers for the meeting. We have a, a, one of our past presidents is retiring. We have somebody else picking up the donuts. We have somebody else picking up or setting up so i'm like oh my gosh i delegated some stuff and it felt mm. i felt it's funny i still feel that little bit of like guilt for not doing all the things but you know people want to be involved they want to help yes. they we have to help train yes. future leaders and yeah. the only way we're going to do that is by handing off some of that responsibility so it's like this win-win situation and we need to recognize it as a positive thing instead of mm -hmm. you know something yes. that speaks against us Yes. You absolutely have people that are capable of doing all those things. Oh, I know. You yeah. have to let it go yeah. and let them do Sometimes it. Sometimes you just have to push it a little bit and be like, hey. Yes. We're, we're <laughs> all <laughs> um, guilty of a little bit of a hero's complex as well. Mm. We're trained yes. yeah. to, to you know, be the problem solver and to, to handle all the things. Mm -hmm. And we forget that everybody to our left and to our right are capable and trained to do those same things. And so, you know, delegating is not like handing it off to someone who doesn't know how to carry it out. We just never stop to think like there's a person to my left that can absolutely help with this. Mm -hmm. We've got to tap into that more often. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. But the nutrition I, I thought was was important. You, Meredith, you mentioned the meal prepping and everything. And that was one of the things that I definitely had to start doing because you know we're we were sitting in those little basements and filling mm -hmm. away at the keyboard and you don't get up to eat and so you often are one person maybe can escape and go run through the drive through and get everybody some unhealthy meals and i realized that that was helping to contribute to some of my uh, uh, significantly to inflammation problems mm -hmm. um, eating foods processed foods is catastrophic uh, to chronic illness you got to get rid of that um, it creates chronic illness. Yes, it does. Hold on, I need to make the note on that one. <laughs> yes. No. Yeah. So now, no processed foods. No, I, I select fresh, not frozen or canned foods mm -hmm. when I'm grocery shopping. And I actually have become a label reader, which I used to see yes. in the grocery yes. store all the time, and I'm like, I call it a label detective. Yes. Oh my goodness. But Ugh. now I do. And, you know, mm -hmm. some of the key things that I'm looking for um, uh, uh, foods that, you know, no nitrates and nitrites, non-GMO, no MSG. Mm -hmm. um, I'm looking at the sodium content in foods. Um, mm -hmm. Is it rich in potassium? Uh, you know, the things that we naturally, our body naturally needs to um, be well. 
Um, I'm seeking out those qualities and foods and avoiding foods that have the, the no-nos. Um, I don't eat dairy anymore. Well, I do eat cheese, y'all. Pray for me because I... I can't leave the cheese alone. Okay, let's. I had to get it up. I'm a little and that's 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 my one vice right now. I'm gonna have to have my cheese. Uh, but Wait till it hurts you, and then you're like, I don't want you anymore. <laughs> right, right. Well, Johnson, like yeah. I eat. I, this is a guilty pleasure of mine: is that I eat cottage cheese and rice crackers for like a snack. Mm. It's not even a bad one. You're, I thought you were going to like chili cheese fries. You're like, oh, you cottage cheese. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, you know, my body is like, hey, I don't love this. I know, but right. I'm like, but it's good. It's fine. We're yeah. fine. Everything's fine. Right. <laughs> I found that sheep-based cheeses don't impact me the same way that yeah. cow-based cheeses do, yeah. too. Yeah. So well, there's an enzyme cheese. in milk, in cow's mm -hmm. milk, yep. that um, I think it's A1 and A2. I, don't quote me on that, but it, um, our body <laughs> isn't able to break that down. And that's the same, that's the same, that's true with processed foods and GMOs and gluten. Glu people mm -hmm. really, really underestimate how devastating gluten is. It mm -hmm. leads to leaky mm -hmm. gut. Um, mm -hmm. and people are like, oh, I'm not celiac. I can be, I'm fine with gluten. No, that is not the case. The gluten molecule in and of itself, and gluten is in wheat, barley, rye, and a couple other ones that are just not in our normal American, American space. Um, but the gl gluten molecule has seven, or I'm sorry, 12, 12 to 14 different components to it that when it gets into our body, our immune system is like, what the f is this? I don't know what to do about this. Mm -hmm. And it starts overreacting to it. Mm -hmm. And then we have our immune system that steps up and is like, hey, there's an invader in my gut. And it starts creating an immune system response. Mm -hmm. And then like our it, it clogs up our drainage pathways. So think poop. When you if you're constipated, you are not detoxing. You are not draining properly. If you are not pooping, you are not okay. If you are not pooping, you need to come talk to me. I can help you pooping. It right. is what I do for a living and I love it. Like, let's get you pooping. <laughs> like, I am that girl and I'm, I will say it loud and proud. But like, all of that stuff really, like gluten is so devastating. It literally leads to your gut, um, the lining of your gut breaking apart. So we have these tight junctions in our gut and these tight junctions are designed to keep the bad stuff out and get the good stuff in, right? So it absorbs the nutrients and it brushes away the bad stuff so they can go out through our colon, small intestines, large, you know, all that, the whole process. And gluten is a major culprit for taking and loosening those tight junctions. And so when you have a leaky gut, that's the term, that's actually what the term is, all of that stuff that's not supposed to cut through and get into your bloodstream now comes through and starts getting into your bloodstream. And where does your blood go? This is not a trick question. It literally goes everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. Your blood circulates throughout the entirety of your body. Everywhere. And when those tight junctions, when they break apart, you get things like toxins, mold, you get bacteria, parasites, um, you get chemicals, radiation, all coming into and through into your bloodstream. And then you have critters that we're exposed to all day, every day, and toxins and blah, 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 chemicals, pesticides, herbicides, glyphosate is a huge one. There are pieces of that that cross your blood-brain barrier. Mm -hmm. So your blood-brain barrier is another measure of protection, right? So if you have brain fog, you need to come talk to me because that means your brain's under attack and we need to heal and raise the barrier again, heal the barrier and decrease the things that are crossing into it and attacking your brain. So um, gluten is really, really devastating on many, many layers. And so if there's one thing that I tell people in my, in my practice through like consistently cut out gluten and gluten is everywhere. It's incredibly difficult to cut it out. Truly cross contamination. Yeah. What's your question? So, um, have you found like in your professional practice and also, I, I mean, I heard, um, 
all of you say that you've made dietary changes. Yeah. Dietary changes are very difficult, especially in the sign of work. You're a creature of habit. You like what you like. You're go- like, I'm going into a 12 hour shift. I'm bringing my blue Doritos and that's right. happening. So I, I think in my experience, not only is education. So Sarah, everything you're talking about, but also we need to take a moment as human beings and reflect on how food makes us feel. Because for me, the thing that gets me to change my diet is when I feel better and I say, oh, oh, that's not worth that. And that's the the only thing. That's the only thing that'll change it for me. I mean, I know all this stuff and I'm like, I'm going to eat the garlic bread. And then I'm like, oh, crap, I feel like poop because I eat garlic bread. So so anyway, um, is that is I mean, for people out there who are really struggling with like, oh, that sounds great. I just I can't cut all that out. You don't have to. Put yeah. all that out right away. Like that's, right, it's a, right. It's a process, right? Yes. It's yeah. Very it's much one a change at a time. Yes. Yeah, food is a very cultural thing, though, too, and it's yes. a very social thing. And so, um, you know, I'm Latin. All we do is eat. Like, we, right. I, I have one child and a husband, and I cook for seven people. <laughs> I feed my office most of the time, so it's, it, it is hard when it's like almost an outlet for you as yes. well. Yes. But, um, yes. I mean, I've grown up on food my whole life, so Mm -hmm. I can definitely relate, Jonna. And, you know, transitioning from some of those things, I knew there were certain things that I still want to be able to enjoy. And this is not a hard stop on eating food you like. Mm -hmm. I don't want anybody to walk away from this message with that impression. But it is a journey of discovery and moderation as well. So if I could like Meredith said, it's a kind of a one step at a time thing. Mm-hmm. Um, giving up the dairy was hard because I loved ice cream and I loved milk and I love cheese. Right. So mm-hmm. I had to slowly try like, okay, well, everybody says almond milk is supposed to be okay. I'll try that. Maybe, maybe not. I t- play with it a little bit. I like one brand. I didn't like another. Oh, well, coconut milk is an option. Let me try that. And it's, you know, it's very much a discovery journey of things that, okay, I found an ice cream. I found an oat milk based ice cream at Trader mm-hmm. Joe's that will change your oh, so life. Because mm-hmm. I didn't want to feel like I could never have a sweet or a treat or that I love. I just had to find the ones that were right for me. By the time I landed on that one ice cream, I had tried like five or six of the up, like Halo and all. Uh, oh, yeah, they're gross. Yeah. For me, but <laughs> I kept going. You see what I'm saying? Don't give up on the journey. Just try different things and substitute mm-hmm. what you love and you won't feel like you're sacrificing. You'll just yes. realize I'm making a better choice for yes. me. Right. Yeah, I actually make my own ice cream. Like I bought an ice cream maker because I was like, I am not giving this up. You know? Oh, yeah, I love that. And the funny part is now my kid likes that better than yeah. Right. And I know everything it's that's cleaner. in it. Yep. Yeah. It's yep. And it's yep. seasonal. Every ice cream is seasonal. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, and the more the more you do it, the easier it becomes. And yes. the more that you yep. stay away from certain things, the less, the less likely you, you are it. to crave them. Yes. That's right. And it's. You get to a point where, yeah, I was an ice cream every night. I have to have a bowl when I get home. And now it's like, no, I just don't. And mm-hmm. I never thought, I mean, that was my thing. And I never thought that I'd get to that point. And now I get like keto ice cream bars from Costco and they'll sit in the freezer and I'll have one maybe once or twice a month. If mm-hmm. that. And I don't feel guilty. I know that my stomach's not going to be super happy, but they don't have the sugar in them. And if you let them melt just a little bit, they taste pretty good. They're you have to let them melt. Though. <laughs> if you don't let them melt, I love that. So good. Yeah, but I love that. Those yeah, little tiny changes, and you know, you can try substituting things out. And yeah, you know, I know everybody makes fun of cauliflower rice for trying to pretend cauliflower pretending all these other things. No. But, but it's you know good. What? I yeah, mixed, it works. I did the cauliflower rice. rice in my jambalaya <laughs> instead of regular rice, and it was mm-hmm. just as good because those seasonings are all still there. That's right. And spices, you know, spices are very yeah. good for anti-inflammatory. Um, yes, turmeric. Turmeric, um, cayenne. Um, yeah, the cinnamon. You know, mm-hmm. so there's a lot of things that you can research. Mm-hmm. I'm not a doctor, so I'm not giving anybody medical advice, but I did a lot of research. 
and a lot of discovery to get to where my lifestyle is now. And plenty of y'all have been to conference with me. And yes, you will see me eat French fries or whatever <laughs> on occasion, right? Yep. But I have, majority of the time, I'm going to choose something from the menu that is not so far out of alignment with my lifestyle. But I can have the treat occasionally. Mm-hmm. I can have a cocktail occasionally. Yep. You know what I mean? So that's what it's really all about. Yep. And I love I love everything you guys are saying. You're so spot on. And I I usually recommend um, if you're taking something away, finding a, an acceptable or suitable replacement for it. Because otherwise, mm-hmm. if you just take it away, it's like you're de- depriving yourself of something that makes you feel good. And when you're chronically stressed and your output is super high, there's very little, you know, there's not necessarily a lot of things that make you feel really good. Food is one of the things that we turn to because it actually releases coming back to the brain it releases um serotonin and dopamine in the brain because it is necessary for survival Mm -hmm. so it it touches on the pleasure center of the brain which is why food and eating is very connecting why it's like why we gravitate towards it when we don't feel good um and so if you're taking something away you do finding a suitable replacement so i used to love mellow yellow that was like Oh my god, I haven't even thought about that. (laughs) And I can't tell you the last time I really drank a metal yellow, it's been so long. But as I was shifting away from soda and the Coke Zeros, right? And like I remember starting my career in as a therapist, finding like going for that Coke Zero because it didn't have any sugar, right? But it had this fake Mm -hmm. sugar that was clogging up my kidneys that I had no idea about. And okay. one of the things that I love is bubbly water. It's just like I'm I'm actually drinking the lemon lime because it's my favorite, right? <laughs> I'm going back and forth with the bubbly and the Waterloo. Um, and some of them I don't my my body doesn't really like, but I I really like the lemon lime, and it's enough. And so just finding something mm-hmm. that you um, that's a good one. So like with the ice cream thing, I love the So Delicious brand. It's got mm-hmm. coconut like it's a coconut milk base, um, which is great. Um, so yeah, find something kind bars too. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Those are so good. Yeah. And just like what Dominique was saying, you really have to be a label detective. Mm -hmm. Um, and I talk quite a bit about this in some of, in my nutrition training that I'm putting together that like you have to go and I've got two rules of thumb. So the first one is if it has more than five ingredients, you probably shouldn't need it. Mm -hmm. So like it, because it's, it's probably processed. It's been modified. It's been, things have been changed to make it what it is. And then my second rule of thumb is if you can't pronounce it, you probably shouldn't need it. So those are kind of my two rules of thumb. Like, because if you can't pronounce it, that means your body, it does, your body doesn't know what it is and it's going to react to it. And so when you talk about inflammation, you talk about brain fog and energy depletion, all of that really does tie into nutrition. And they say you are what you eat. And that is, there's a lot of truth to that. And I mean, it's, nutrition is a topic we could spend more than the amount of time that we have to spend on here. But yeah, um, we could do, we could do a whole other session on that. We could, that would actually be really fun. I would love to do that actually, because there's a lot of, um, a lot of stuff within the nutrition realm, but like meal prepping is amazing. Um, oh, I love that, Jana. That's, That's awesome. So good. That's that so is good, really Jana. good. Yes. I completely agree. My great grandmother came from Poland straight off the boat and she brought with her all of her Polish lifestyle and grew up on a farm and raised my mom on the farm. And so, yes, if, and she would, she's got to be turning over in her grave doing it. Oh, <laughs> so one one of the things um, I, I tried to do last year, but kind of ran out of time, is make a uh, 91 Wonder Woman cookbook. So um, I'm going to dust that back off and, and put it out there for the holidays. But we, I'm going to post a form. And um, the object is to, um, it's like a Google form, put in a recipe that you use, like five ingredients or less, that is healthy, that is quick. You can do it for meal prep. You can, um, if you have an Instapot or a Crock-Pot in your center, 
you can bring the stuff in and use that and, and cook for everybody. So um, on this topic of nutrition, I'm going to pull that back out and, and try to finish it this year and have it done for the holidays so that everyone can download it. So that, you know, you can all share your tips for good food that's delicious, good for you, gives you energy, and you can um, do it on, on a dispatcher schedule. And maybe what we can do too, because I know we're coming to the time where we need to wrap up, but um, I, one of the things that I do in my practice is I actually run a food sensitivities lab. And this is what I use to um, base my nutrition recommendation for my clients on, um, because it looks at what your immune system views as a intruder or an invader. And so Sarah, maybe we can do some coordinating that, you know, on our, if we do the next panel on nutrition, um, I can offer that as a special 911 Wonder Woman discount um, and uh, kind of, and, and there's a lot of beauty going on, beauty within that because like, for example, I'm highly reactive to peanuts and strawberries. And so peanuts weren't a big deal. I never ate peanuts. They I never really liked them. They never made me feel good. So I never ate them. But strawberries, here I am thinking I'm eating correct food for me, the healthy mm -hmm. food, rich antioxidant, nutrient dense strawberries, but my body viewed it as an attack. My body was viewing it as an invader. And so because of that, that was activating my immune system. And I always felt like I was fighting with food until I figured out what foods my body actually really likes. And so um, that's another, that's a way that I use data to help do things like reduce inflammation and not because I'm reducing the stress that hidden stressor on the inside. And I would have never known that had I not done um, that kind of testing. So, um, but I love the cookbook idea. And um, there was something back here in the comments. Oh, Juliet had talked about the food prep with pizza. And I wanted to come back to that um, because I remember like when I entered into the radio room, I really, um, I already had established some really good routines because I came into it later in life. I didn't start my career in the radio room. And so I already had like my core values were already written out. Like I already knew a lot of that stuff. I already had, I was a gym rat. I was already had a lot of the nutrition stuff implemented in my life. And, and it was, it was really hard for me to not participate in, the constant bombardment of crap food that was in the radio room. And like, it yeah. really, it, I think it, we're kind of all, our topics are kind of all circling around this concept of boundaries and mm -hmm. core values. Yep. You know, like you have to have really good boundaries when it comes to that food stuff. You have to know what you want for your life and you have to own that. And when you own it, it's a lot easier to say, no, I'm not going to have pizza. I'm going to have this prepped meal that I made because I want to honor my body and I want to keep doing this. And I want, I want my life to be vital. Like I want to have vitality in my life. And so, we, I mean, having, but in order to do that, you do have to have an idea of what your values are and what you want and where you're going. And there's a, there's a concept that I've been really spinning on lately and it relates to the biology of trauma and it really has to do with you can't, when you are in, in a stress or, or trauma state or a triggered state, you cannot grow like you can, but you can't, you can't learn because when you're in, when you're in that fight or flight state, your prefrontal cortex. So your executive function, your ability to really think and process, gets shut down. It gets muted. It goes to sleep because you have your, like your carnal brain activates and says, we are going to survive. And when that happens, like it's really, really hard to learn. It's really, really hard to grow. It's hard to implement new changes. And so you really have to work on coming out of that fight or flight mode and getting to a place where it's quiet, creating space around you, margin to be quiet so that you can process things that you want and then start processing how you make that happen. Um, so that I just wanted to, to come back to that concept of the pizza in the radio room. Yes, good. And there's been some awesome discussion here um, with tips in the, in the comments. So I encourage you 
to look back at those. But yeah, it it takes um, it takes really strong boundaries to say no to pizza. Mm -hmm. This I know. <laughs> okay, um, we do have to wrap it up. We are at an hour. Um, I just want to thank you all so so much for both of these panels. And I did put the first panel in the in the chat. If you missed that, you want to go back and and watch this. But um, again, I really want to thank Data Mark for supporting our efforts here and making this all possible. Um, thank you to Dominique, Mary, Jonna, and Sarah for sharing all of your experience and expertise. Um, if you do have any uh, additional questions, you can find all of these ladies in our Facebook group. So, um, you know, I'll be, I'll be posting some, um, some good quotes from the session. So thank you all. all right, thank <laughs> we'll you. We'll see you soon. Uh, happy birthday, Jonna. Happy birthday, Jonna. Happy birthday. <laughs> 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 <laughs>